I uh, titled this uh, just straight out of that first verse, Guard Your Steps When You Go to the House of God. And so we're going to talk about ways to do that. Uh, Solomon is speaking to just about everyone who ever goes to church. His words are not for people who never go to church at all. On the contrary, for all his frustrations with life, he not only believed in God, but was fully committed to worship. So his exhortations are for the people who do go to church, but sometimes find it hard to pay attention. Whose thoughts wander when they pray, and who are full of good intentions about serving God, but have trouble following through. They are for people who know they need to get involved in outreach, but usually come up with some excuse for not joining the ministry right now. They have started a serious program for personal Bible study a dozen times, but have never finished. They try to pay attention in church, but usually spend half their time thinking about the upcoming week. To people like that, to people like us, like me, Ecclesiastes says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. So I've really, looking at this, I divided it into four points today. Um, first of all, we're, uh, point one we're, is verse one. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Uh, point two, verses two and three. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word. Point three, do not delay in paying for a vow you made. Point four, verses six and seven a. Don't let your mouth cause you to sin when words grow many. There is vanity. And point five, verse 7b, God is the one you must fear. And I think that will really shape our thoughts in the end of this. So, let me read verse 1 again. I know we just read it. Your memory might be as short as mine. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. So out of that, I had a couple questions that I looked into. What's a house of God? And uh, in his day, it was the temple that he had built for God um, there in Jerusalem. And one of, that was really one of uh, Solomon's great accomplishments was to build that temple. And uh, right beside it, he built a house many times bigger than the temple. Um, so you kind of wonder about that. But he did build the temple. Our equivalent today, as we read this, um, because we know we're not killing cattle or sheep or whatever to take and uh, be a sacrifice for us. We have the sacrifice of Jesus. So today we have the church of which Jesus Christ is the head. And, uh, and like usual, I get a little carried away because I, 
I saw this um, section to remind us that uh, Jesus is the head. And then as I read it, I realized I, ca- I just can't stop on this. It's just too good. Um, Colossians 1, 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, invisible and visible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And, of course, that's Jesus. He's the head of the church. Uh, he created the church. And that's the church we're a part of. Um, somebody, I, I forget if that was Trey, that mentioned we're, we don't go to church. We are the church. So where we are uh, with others from the church, that is the church. Uh, I thought of that especially as I thought of wherever two or three are gathered in Jesus' name. He is there. So church can be a group of two praying together, a group of three doing Bible study together. Or it can be this whole congregation meeting together. We are the church. Who are the fools, and what is the sacrifice they offer? That's kind of weird. I I looked through it, and I was like, I don't think it really tells us. Um, But in wisdom literature, the fool usually means a non-believer. And um, it could be somebody who has just done something foolish, but it usually means a non-believer. He has no faith in God or Jesus or a proper fear of God. We are not told what the sacrifice of fools is. Uh, But when we read those other six verses, I think it becomes obvious, at least to me, that what he's talking about is um, talking. Uh, The fool is one who is not being reverent enough in his speech. He's talking too much or making vows that are not kept. So the evil the fool is doing must have to do with talking too much or not keeping his vows or not being reverent in speech. That's the fool. So as I thought of that, his sacrifice um, being doing silly things and he's foolish. But today, if we are following Jesus, what kind of sacrifices ought we to be giving to to Christ and to God? Let's um, look at Hebrews 12, 15 and 16. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, 
Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. That's what he wants. He wants us to praise him. He wants us to be thankful for all he provides and uh, to do good works, basically. Um, Often sharing what we have and what we've been blessed with. So... That's what we see there The um, in that section. Oh, I had one more thing. He also says, and I think this is very important for guarding our steps when we go to the house of God. Draw near to listen. Um, are your ears wide open today? Are you really listening? I know from sitting in your spot most of the time, almost all year long, that sometimes last night makes us tired today. And uh, uh, sometimes it's hard to keep our eyes open. Sometimes it's hard to keep our attention. And, uh, but one thought I had was Proverbs 30, verse 5. And Solomon wrote this. Every word of God proves true. We don't want to miss any of those things that God has said to us. And is saying to us even today. Um, Point two, verses two and three. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word. Um, It goes on to say to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business. And a fool's voice with many words. As we look at verses 2 and 3, it's pretty easy to see those uh, two statements, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word. These two statements make up what's called a synonymous parallelism. And I only know that because I read it. And uh, But uh, both statements basically mean the same thing, is what that's saying. And I would interpret them, um, be slow to speak. Don't just be spitting your words out in a hurry. Uh, be slow to speak. The next, um, the next big thing we see here is God is in heaven. We are on earth. If that doesn't humble you, then, then you need to do more reading. You need to mo- think more about it. The mighty, sovereign God ruler of all the universe, creator of all seen and unseen, infinite, no beginning, no end. That's just mind-boggling. Everybody wants to wonder, well, when did the universe start? When, when did, who created God? Well, God wasn't created. He has no beginning. He has no end. And to our limited, finite minds, that just doesn't make sense. But to say that isn't it nice to have a God who is greater than we are Uh, he's outside the limits of time someday time will come to an end and Jesus will come back and the clocks will stop and we'll all go to be with him but the clocks are not running anymore time has ended and uh, because God doesn't need time he put that for us and uh, someday it'll end. 
I was thinking about this. God in heaven, we are on earth. You know how nervous people get meeting uh, maybe a celebrity or um, some, you know, some will meet a celebrity and they'll pass out. They just get so excited and so overworked about it. Or to meet the President of the United States. Um, most people would put on their best dress. Most people would, uh, would really make sure they're ready, and most people would keep their mouth shut unless the President talked to them. Or I, you see how they treat the Queen over in England. And uh, for somebody in England to meet the queen would just be so amazing to them. And they'd get so nervous. Um, To meet God, there's no comparison. He's so much more than that. He is over everything. He made everything. Uh, If you... uh, We see so often in the Bible... Uh, when people are in the presence of God, um, they uh, basically fall down flat like they're dead. And uh, we remember Isaiah who was, he realized once he's in God's presence, he realized his sinfulness. And uh, the angel had to come and put a uh, red hot coal on his mouth to uh, take away his sin. Um you know how afraid people get to meet an alien in a movie, in a sci-fi movie. Somehow, we have come to equate aliens as being almost godlike in knowing things we don't know. And uh, that's just silliness. But um, to meet God is so much scarier, so much more amazing, and so hard to fathom. Uh, He is all-powerful. In all-powerful, we just think of the uh, days in which six days he created the universe. Everything in it, seen and unseen, just by speaking. He just used his voice. He didn't have a hammer, uh, didn't have a bulldozer. He just spoke it. He's all-knowing. He knew how to do that. He had the wisdom uh, that none of us, even after centuries of studying the earth, have figured out how it was done. And uh, he did it. He is, and as I said before, his being holy, 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 I think is is the thing that hits most people that we read about when they get around God. Um, Even the ground around him is holy. Remember... uh, Uh, Moses had to take off his shoes. He couldn't even walk on that ground. Um, Holiness is something we're not used to. We are in the the, uh, sewer of the earth, and we're waiting around in sin all the time. Sin's in our head, sin's in our body, and uh, it's just amazing to us. So when we think of God and coming to church and uh, hearing the words he has to say to us through his scriptures, we need to remember that God is in heaven and we are on earth. We must watch what we say. We must be reverent in our speech. We must remember 
It is an honor and a privilege just to be in his church, just to have this Bible that so many centuries uh, people didn't have. And now we each have our own. Most of us probably got a whole bookshelf of Bibles at home someplace. And uh, what a blessing that is. Um, The next part in this section, point two, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. I think when I first read that, it seemed a little, what does dreams have to do with it? Um, I think, as he talks about with much business, when we're worn out, when we've had that really tough day, and we hit the hay, and uh, um, a lot of times we can go so fast asleep, we have dreams. And I have had the silliest dreams sometimes. And usually I can't remember, but I'll wake up thinking, oh, that was silly. Or sometimes they're scary. Or, you know, what I hated the most was when I worked 12 hours a day, and I did that for quite a while there near the end of my career, I uh, sometimes would get home. You know, you don't have long uh, in the evening to get something to eat and say hi to your spouse and uh, go to bed. Sometimes I dreamed of working. And you just wake up worn out. Um, It seems silly. It's like, why would you do that? But, But your mind, you know, it does what it wants. But that is like the voice of the fool. Uh... We've all met somebody who can't shut up. Um, and, you know, uh, they, they have something to say, and they don't care what you say. They're going to say their thing, and they just keep talking. And God wants the fool to be quiet when he's in the service, to um, listen to what God's saying to them and uh, not be talking the whole time. I, uh, I thought of that time near when I quit working, um, when I was doing the 12-hour days, but I remember specifically having some dreams. Uh, when I worked for the uh, Ford steering gear line, and I was on this line, and the Ford steering gear was going by, and Depending where they put me, I'd have to turn it over or check something on it or run some oil through it. And by the end of the day, and, and that was a time, I only did it for a while, and then they, you know, I was done. Uh, I had to move on. Um, they, um, they took those... Uh, Gears and I had to work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, and I did that for about four months. And then they laid people off and laid people off. That was in 1977, and uh, never got back to my level. But it was the same thing at Lilly as I started out as a young guy. Um, I was on the dry finishing line, and and bottles went by all day long. And I'd have to get lids for them, or I'd have to sit on a counter that counted them. And those really gave you those kind of dreams that that you don't want to have. Um, Okay, one more thing. Uh, Trimper Longman, 
uh, paraphrases uh, that last little section about dreams. He says, work leads to many dreams. Foolishness leads to many words. We, um, again, I know this is a work example, but uh, they would call us together when I was at Lilly every time before a DEA inspector would come in and I worked in an area that had narcotics, so they would come in, you know, every year or so. And then we would also get FDA inspectors because of all the drugs we had. And one of the things they told us, and I experienced that, you, you kind of wanted to be out of the room or on the day off when the inspectors came in. Uh, but one of them, they warned us, and, and as I say, I experienced it. He came in with his notebook, and he had a bunch of people behind him, and they'd walk over to somebody, and he walked over to me, and they, they had warned me, this guy likes to just be quiet. And if he's quiet enough, you just can't help yourself but say something. And, uh, and it was hard keeping quiet, and isn't that silly? You, uh, he, he might like ask you a simple question. Well, where do you throw those away at? And then he doesn't say anything for about five minutes. And then you're thinking, oh, I didn't say enough. I need to say some more. And, uh, you know, we didn't get shut down, thank God. So uh, it, it, is, it is silly how we are about wanting to talk at times. And we need to remember there's times we need to be quiet, and when we're here in church, as we're listening, um, we want to learn from these precious words that God has given us, and be quiet. Point three, verses four and five. Um, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Pretty straightforward stuff. Um, better that you not vow than that you vow and not pay. God has no pleasure in fools. And you're a fool if you don't pay that vow and pay it as quickly as you can. They have probably made a vow and didn't think about it. They didn't think it through. And uh, just a little thing to think about uh, when God has no pleasure in you. Hebrews 12.29 tells us our God is a consuming fire. He is nobody to be messed with. Moses told us in Deuteronomy, if you refrain from bowing, you will not be guilty of sin. And uh, that is something we can hold on to. Uh, some people like to make vows, but for the most part, we want to hold our tongue on that and, um, and not be uh, making those vows that lead us into something we don't want to do or can't do. I think that's the worst thing. Point four, verses... 6 to 7a, let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake, 
Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. Uh, the um, point four was don't let your mouth cause you to sin. When grow, words grow many, there is vanity. Your mouth can lead you into sin. And we know our mouths can lead us into sin by cursing, uh, by gossiping, and a thousand other ways. Our mouths are hard to control, but we need to. But uh, in this case, he's saying, don't make a vow that you can't keep. Don't make one you can't keep. I, uh, I was just thinking um, things that maybe people do. I vow to give money to church. They may name a certain amount. They may be so grateful to God that they want to give half of all they have. And uh, to not follow through with that would be a mistake. I vow to read the Bible through in a year. Again, that's a worthy goal unless you're not going to do it. Um, you don't have to vow that to do that. Uh, I vow to give out 10 gospel tracts a week. I think that's a good goal, maybe, more than your vow. Maybe there's a week you can't get out. Um, but uh, I'm not going to tell you not to vow, but uh, careful what you do. Who is the messenger in this? Uh, it sounds like you get in trouble if the messenger founds out you didn't... Uh, Fulfill your vow. Well, I don't know for sure. But that messenger is the same word that we use when we usually translate it as angel. Uh, but it could have meant the temple priest or maybe a temple official in charge of collections. Uh, I think they really had an organization. So that could be. Uh, but either way... Uh, people know about your vow when you've made it at church, or they may. And even if they don't know, an angel would definitely know, wouldn't he? Your vow left undone can bring judgment or punishment. When words grow many, there is vanity. Point five. And then we're going to get more into uh, what I hope are helpful ideas for you. I think this is so straightforward. I just had it as point five, verse seven B. God is the one you must fear. Uh, if we have a healthy fear of God, it's going to shape all of our interactions with our church and how we come into the sanctuary. Uh, so I'm going to leave that at that now. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Um, so that we are not fools. How do you guard yourselves or prepare to go to church? I know this is simple, um, but it's just something I share because Sean and I went through this. Um, anybody who's had kids knows that sometimes it's hard to get them up in the morning on Sunday morning and get them into church and um, keep a good attitude uh, about it all. When our sons still were living at home, uh, 
we reminded them, tried to, on Saturday that we would, that we would be going to church in the morning. We told them when we would get them up and when we would leave for church. Uh, Sean always made a special breakfast like uh, pancakes or waffles or the, uh, the house favorite was always sticky rolls. Um, hard to explain, but it's like biscuits with all this sugar and cinnamon on top. And uh, that probably has not been good for me. We don't do that anymore now that the kids left. Sometimes I wish they'd come back. Um, but often, this helped to get us going to church on time. And you know kids need a full stomach, too. And so that doesn't hurt. Uh, hopefully they'll have a better mood. Uh, but I do have to admit, as they got older, this got harder. Uh, Saturday night became a bigger thing to kids when they were teenagers and uh, they always thought they were missing something if they weren't out late and uh, that was a whole new thing and uh, we probably needed training for people with teenagers if we want to get into that Uh, but my my kids um, we made it through it I don't know that they had a good attitude. We got them there. I, I still remember with uh, um, my number two boy, Ryan. Um, he needed his sleep, but he would want to stay up so late. And oftentimes my rules were ignored. He'd get in really late. I'd still get him up, take him to church, and he'd just sit there and fall asleep. And I'd be bumping him and bothering him and that that may not have been a good thing I don't know but um, he was there I doubt he heard much Um, I was looking at our schedule for the worship service today any of you that ever come up here and talk you know you get this little schedule of what we do and it's helpful But uh, the reason I was looking at it, uh, I was thinking how through the service we prepare people to hear the sermon, to hear the words that God is preaching to us today. Uh, At the beginning, uh, we get that short video, usually based on scripture, to get us thinking. Then we have a call to worship by one of the deacons or pastors. Trey had that today, and again, calling us to be ready to worship. Four songs were sung today, if I counted right. I might have counted wrong. Um, We should sing with thoughts of God in our minds and love of God in our hearts. As we get familiar with songs, it's easy to just sing along because we like the song, and... uh, forget about the meaning of the words and the words are important I, uh, I read in uh, one of my commentaries about a church in New Jersey that has a sign for the praise team that reads sing it like you mean it which sounds pretty good but then they crossed out the like and replaced with the word because so sing it because you mean it God wants real worshipers. 
He doesn't want you just going through the motions. He knows that you and I can look at each other and, and you all look like nice, godly, wonderful people to me. But I don't know what you're thinking on the inside. I don't know if your heart belongs to Jesus or, uh, or you're just faking it. We want to sing like we mean it. We also want to listen uh, to everything that's said in church uh, like it's important to us because it is. Um, we're not performers. We're not pretenders. Um, then we have the pastoral prayer. We usually get use scriptures as a basis for our prayer, helping to align us with God and his word. And Randy did a good job of that today. Right before the ser sermon, we have the scripture reading and a prayer for us to understand and learn for the Bi from the Bible. And again, Debbie did a good job on that. And uh, it's always to be good to be prayed for when you're preaching because we hope that what I am saying is in line with what God is telling us. I can also say that uh, as far as um, getting us ready for church and uh, it would be good, it would help if we had Al Moeller here, John MacArthur, David Jeremiah, or some other famous preacher. You know, it's a little bit easier to listen to those guys with the kind of not only knowledge of the Bible, but the talent they have in public speaking. But this week, you have me. Um, but remember, our sermon should not be about the speaker. Uh, it is about the words of God, not about the preacher. Let's see. This would be my uh, for how to guard our steps or prepare to go to church. This would be my point C. Solomon encouraged us to listen when we're in the house of God, Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Uh, the word of Christ is basically the Bible. And we learn and we get our faith from hearing that word. And uh, hearing it read again and again and again. I can tell you... I've spent my whole life in church and uh, not my whole life saved, but my whole life in church. And we still read things that somehow in the past I never understood and suddenly God reveals it to me. So we need to keep listening, keep listening. James 1 22, he reminds us, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Uh, I take from that that we must hear and obey what the Bible tells us. If you're out there, you hear it, you walk away, you forget it, um, it didn't do you any good, did it? Uh, you need to put it into action. I am sure that Solomon agrees 
that what we hear from the Bible also must be reflected in our actions. Uh, many come week after week, but never really hear God's word. They may come to please their spouse, their parents, or see the boys, or see the girls. Some think that God is keeping attendance, and just by showing up at church, they will be saved. Newsflash, they won't. Uh, God wants your heart, your mind, your soul involved, not just your presence. We must watch our words since God is in heaven and we are on earth. And I know I talked about that a little earlier, but the reality of watching what we say goes much deeper than what we say at church. God knows everything we do, everything we say, even everything we think. He knows everything no matter where we are. He knows all about us. Through and through, watch your words. Not just at church, but always watch your words. So, we don't think as much about vows these days. But it was a regular part of worship in the days of the temple. Solomon encouraged worshipers not to make vows. Moses said, if you refrain from vows, you will not be guilty of sin. Jesus said, let what you say be simply yes or no. So Jesus was saying, just say yes, just say no. You don't have to make it a swear or a vow. Um, but the things I did think of, we do make wedding vows. And this shows us how important those vows are to God. Uh, those are above and beyond um, what we would normally think of. Uh, but those vows need to stay fulfilled. When we become a church member, that is also a vow to remain faithful to God, the church, and its members. In our prayers, we, in our prayers, we sometimes make hasty vows. Um, God, if you get me through this cancer, I will always come to church. God, if you get me through this scary situation, if I live, um, I am going to tithe every week the rest of my life. Um, God, if you help me pass this test, um, we do this for all kinds of things. And let's don't do it. Let's don't do it. We don't need to do that. Um, but we do need to pray for God for those things. Prayer is important. And we can be sure God gives it his full attention and does what's best for us. When words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. Um, as we think of that, uh, we need to remember the fear of the Lord. Our worship of God should never be described as vanity. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. To fear God is to recognize his, mighty, his might and majesty. It is to acknowledge that he's in heaven and we are on earth. That he is God and we are not. Um, 
Psalm 89, 6 and 7. Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord God, greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones, and above all who are around him? No one is like God. Uh, Philip Ryken says, when we fear God in this way, we will come to worship with expectancy and all. We will be ready to listen to what he says. My time's up, it looks like. He is God, after all. We will be careful what we say, limiting our speech to words that are pleasing to him, We will give God what he deserves, including whatever time or talent or treasure we have promised to give. Just as a closing, I've I've still got a few pages, but I I hope this is... uh, thought-provoking to you as I think about the fool mentioned in these verses today I can't help but wonder had he gone to the temple his whole life did he ever consider that God really was in heaven did he fear God or did he think he knew how to dress and what to sing and what to say so he would be saved or at least So he would fit in. How about you today? I know in this this large group that some of you don't believe in God. But yet I wouldn't know because you dress like I do. You sing like I do. You pray like I do. And yet inside your heart you know that you've not believed in him. Are you listening to the scriptures each week? Is God talking to you? Or are you just saying hi to your friends, shaking hands, singing songs, and sitting down to daydream or sleep through the service? Um, This is an old reference, but I think many people will recognize. Are you counting flowers on the wall? Uh, I can't remember the rest of that song, but somebody will have to tell me later. I always liked it. I believe that the Bible is the very word of God. And I take it serious. Uh, The apostle Peter said to Jesus, You have the words of eternal life. Solomon has called us today to start listening to the word of God. I must confess that I can struggle to stay alert in the service. Yet when I remember this is God speaking to us, I don't want to miss it. I would recommend you take notes whenever you can. It helps keep your mind involved. Underline verses you like. My Bible is is mostly underlined, and uh, sometimes it's underlined twice. Give your spouse a nudge to keep them awake, too. Or give a friend a nudge. Hopefully they won't get too mad at you. Um, I, uh, I was reading um, a thing. I had heard it a while back, so I looked it up again to make sure that I wasn't making it up. But there was this uh, uh, rock on the porch of this house 
on a lake in the United Kingdom. It was a big rock, and it turns out, as people got to thinking about it, it had been there nearly a hundred years. Some guy had dug it up and stuck it on his porch. He thought it was a neat rock. He died and gone. Family had died and gone. Uh, it was finally sold again here in the last 15 or 20 years. And the house was. And um, somebody said, you know, that rock kind of looks like it might be something special. He gave it to the uh, museum in uh, the United Kingdom, and it turns out that rock is the largest meteorite ever found in the United Kingdom, 200 pounds. And uh, from what I understand, meteorites, even little small ones, can be worth hundreds of dollars sometimes. And so I can't imagine the worth of it. And they gave it away. But what it reminded me is, day after day, they would walk out that front porch door and go to work right past that rock. And every night they'd come home and walk right past that rock. And for generations that happened. It could be the rock was more valuable than the house on the lake. And, um, but nobody ever paid attention to it. I think there may be some in here today that walk into the service right past Jesus, right past his word. They sit in their seat and they never listen to God's word. They never put it in their heart and they walk out. Wouldn't it be horrible if they were to die having gone every week for years or decades to church, but never listened and never trusted Christ as their Savior. We don't want that to happen, and I hope you're listening. Solomon wouldn't want that to happen. As uh, the praise team comes up, I um, got a uh, poem I want to read by a man named T.M. Moore. He's written it basically loosely on these uh, verses 1 to 7. How brazen and dishonest people are with their religion. They will go as far with it as suits their needs. So they attend the services and sing the hymns, and when they have to, give a little money to the Lord. But do they live as one should do? Who's made a vow to God? Don't kid yourself. Among their friends, their faith is on the shelf. Remember, God knows everything. He knows your hearts. When we before him bring our worship, and you can't fool him. So take a good look at yourself before you make your next appearance before the Lord and go to listen, not to speak. For he will know just what you need, why any fool can spout a lovely prayer or sing a hymn about his faith. His words are mindless like a dream, although to people looking on they seem impressive. 
not to God. For words are cheap, just like the dreams you have while you're asleep. God wants your heart, my son, not just to show. Get right with him before you to him go. We, uh, we have an unanswered question from God. He wants to know, do you believe in my son Jesus? Uh, today's a good an- day to answer that, to say, I believe in Jesus. God, take away my sins. I believe Jesus died for me. Maybe you just need to, uh, a little tune-up, a little thought. You're a Christian, but sometimes you don't take it as serious as you should. The way to get right with God before we go to worship is very simple. The right way to worship is to be honest with Him about our hypocrisy and all our other sins, and then ask Him to forgive us for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that uh, you have loved us. I thank you that you have given us the Bible. You have given us Jesus. That in all ways you have revealed yourself mightily to us. That we can know that Jesus is our Savior. Lord, I pray for those today that have not trusted in you that This would be the day that they would make all their Sundays count, that they would trust in you for forgiveness of sins, that they would trust that Jesus' death and blood has uh, washed over them and made them like new. And from here on out, Lord, help us to pledge in our hearts to follow you, to listen to you, and spend each Sunday learning about you, as indeed we should every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.